love the energy in the room. You guys are exciting. like to sing to our Savior. That's a really good thing. love the weather that's coming. It's beautiful. Aren't you glad you're not in Denver today? They got, what, four feet of snow, or at least that was anticipated. And they had 70-degree weather on Monday and, and four feet of snow on Saturday. That's incredible. Uh, anybody want that here? <laughs> There's a difference. Let me tell you, I love Lynchburg, though. You get, I haven't been here for a full year yet, but I'm dis discovering you do have all four seasons, or at least so far. It's kind of exciting. In Atlanta, we got two, hot and hotter. Um, but I'm glad I'm, I'm here. I'm glad I'm here today. You know, one of the things I love about Lynchburg are the restaurants. Some of you picked that up about me. There's some great hole-in-the-wall places and uh, fantastic food. But you know what, really, besides just the people you, you sit down with and enjoy a meal with and the, and the menu that's provided, you know what really sets a good restaurant apart? It's not how much grease it is, but it's the service. You know, a, a, a good restaurant that has good food but bad service is really kind of the bad restaurant. You may not want to go back there. And so when you go to a restaurant, if they've got, you've got good company, you've got good food, and you've got a good attentive without an intrusive server, <laughs> you've just had a, a fantastic, wonderful time. And you go back, you know, and you tell people that, man, you've got to go over to so-and-so place. I love the good service. The downside is typically you don't get to choose who your server is. Sometimes you just sit down and you find out what zone you're in and you get the server assigned to you and that server... Sometimes doesn't know the menu very well. Sometimes they are having a bad day. Sometimes servers are in the wrong industry. They're not good with people. Have you had some of the, these servers? Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, I just want to pray for you and find that you find the Lord's will for your life because this isn't it. Sometimes you find servers who talk too much and interrupt often. I've been sitting down with people, we're praying for our meal, and somebody, a server just walks up and just begins to talk at us as we're all got our heads bowed and eyes closed. You know, I'm talking to my wife, and we're getting to a serious conversation, and they just want to stop in just to see how your day's going. And I'm like, it's not going well, please go away. Just kidding. There are times you have servers that are just out of place, but when sometimes you have a great server, I tell you what, it is fantastic. Now, you've never considered it this way, but the church has been gifted with some servers that can make or break a church, that makes it from a great place to be to a place you just don't want to return to. And the Bible calls these servants, these servers, deacons. And today, I want to pause our Ruth series. I'll pick up with Ruth chapter 3 next week. But today, I wanted to pause as we're going to be ordaining two deacons. And I've had this message ready for about six weeks as we have been snowed out, you know, and all these other things. But uh, today is the day that God appointed for us, so I'm pleased with that. But I want to talk about deacons today. What is a deacon, and, and what's the value of a deacon? Perhaps you've never thought about a deacon uh, and what their deal is. You know, preachers preach, teachers teach. What do deacons do? You know, do deacons deke? I don't even know what that, if that works. What is that? But truly, and this is what I find biblically throughout the entire New Testament, the joy Peace, unity, and fruitfulness of a church depends in part by having faithful servers who are attentive, eager to serve without being intrusive. So what is a deacon? I'm going to talk about the role of a deacon today, the requirements of a deacon, and the reward of a deacon. So if you're taking notes, you'll have those. All right, sometimes some of you A-type personalities are always coming up to me after the service, and you'll say to me, 
you didn't say out loud the third point, and I, I can't leave the, the building until I get the third point. I get that, I understand that, so I'm giving it to you right now. The role of a deacon, the requirements of a deacon, and the reward of a deacon. Thank you very much. All right, go back and watch it on YouTube later. All right, so what is a deacon? Deacon literally means servant. You know, sometimes we get, you know, oh, deacon, what, what is that word? It's just a servant, somebody who serves, somebody who's humble to serve. Deacons serve the pastors and the congregation by, by tending to the practical and logistical needs of a church. You know, the Bible has established two official offices in the church, offices, positions in the church. You know, all members are, are servants in some capacity, but, but the, the New Testament is very clear. As God was designing his church, there were two offices. Uh, the first office is, is pastor or elder, bishop. Those three are synonymous. I know sometimes it gets confusing as you're reading through the New Testament. A bishop, uh, sometimes interchanged with overseer, depending on your translation. But there's a bishop, there's pastor, and there's elder. Uh, it's the same position, same person, it, but it really describes something different of what they do. All right? A bishop is an overseer, one who has given the, 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 the rule of the church in a sense of we have to oversee the, sh the shepherding care, uh, the doctrinal positions of the church. That's the bishop. All right? That's his role there. Uh, an elder is actually more used than any other term for this position. An elder is one who is the guiding one of the congregation spiritually. Where are we going? Sometimes you think of elder as a Presbyterian thing, but really just read the Bible. It's, a, it's truly a, a biblical thing. So an elder is the position of one who is kind of guiding spiritually. There's the overseer. There's the guider, the, the elder. Uh, the presbyteros uh, is, is the word. And then you have pastor. Pastor is really more the, the imperative. What he does. It's like the verb form of the position. All right, so the indicative, the command, you have elders. The, the imperative is what you're going to do, and it's pastor. You're shepherding the congregation. That's his role. And so you have these, these three titles for the same position. So you have to have in your church elders, bishops, you know, uh, pastors. Those are, that's one particular role. And quite frankly, I'll say this too. I'm not preaching on elders or, or bishops today, but it's always in the plurality, meaning there should be multiple to keep uh, the church protected from, from the, uh, the attacks from without, uh, without. You know, you might have a primary uh, preaching elder, preaching pastor, but there ought to be men around him that are protecting him and the church. Which, by the way, keeps a church stable over the long haul because sometimes your, your, your lead preaching pastor will leave... Well, what happens in the, in the vacancy of the, the lead elder? You ought to have other elders that oversee and, and that make sure the direction of the church remains. So that's that position, but today we're talking about the second office that God has established called deacons. What are deacons? They are servants. A deacon is an individual who meets certain character requirements and is set apart by the church in order to handle specific physical needs or ministerial endeavors. You'll see this both in Acts chapter 6 and in 1 Timothy chapter 3, among a few other places. Those are the two primary, though. Deacons do not lead or oversee the spiritual health of the church. 
I'm thankful when I came to West Lynchburg to discover uh, that your deacons truly do understand their role as servants within the church to accomplish the task of ministry. Some churches uh, uh, misplace deacons and they put them into an authority role uh, where all of them are there just basically to see themselves as the authority over the pastor. They don't actually serve, but they're telling the pastor what to do all the time. And that's not a healthy position for a church. It's just not. And unfortunately, some deacons in some churches, and I would not say that's true here, but some deacons in some churches aren't qualified to be deacons or pastors. But they have a role because they, they own a store down the street and, and they have some organizational skills. But they have no character qualities according to the scripture. So we as a church do not have the authority to, to make up what this is. We have to surrender to what the scripture says is a true deacon. And the deacon's role of what they were to do. Deacons don't lead or oversee the spiritual health of the church. This is the role God has established for the pastors, elders, bishops. Uh, from Acts chapter 20, 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. You can look at those later. Instead, deacons humbly serve as ensuring the practical matters of the church are met. They serve well, and they free up the leaders, the, the elders of the church, to focus on prayer, teaching, and leading. For example, the deacons may handle a benevolence request so a pastor can prepare a message. The deacons may take care of a leaky roof at the church so that the pastor, the elders, may counsel people spiritually. Which, by the way, you don't want me to fix the leaky roofs of the church. One person illustrates it this way. He says, really, the church is the, the people who get on the bus... The pastor's elders are the ones who decide the direction and they drive the bus. The deacons are the ones who make sure there's enough air in the tires and gas in the bus to get us where we're going. I think it's a good illustration. Now, there are some overlap that will occur, but deacons primarily handle physical and logistical needs while pastor's elders tend to uh, the spiritual needs. This is illustrated well in the beginning of what I believe is the deacon ministry from Acts chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, pick up the Bible in the pew rack right in front of you, or you can turn on your phone and just type in Acts chapter 6. Most scholars believe that the, the account here marks the beginning of the office of deacon, though it does not say the word deacon anywhere. But we see the illustration here that then is uh, lived out through the rest of the New Testament. This is exactly what deacons were called to do. So there's a problem in the, in the community, in this first century church. The, the church was just beginning. Uh, division was beginning to happen. And so the wisdom of the apostles, who were you know, basically your first pastors and elders, um, stepped in to do something here. So in verse 1, Now in these days... When the disciples were increasing in number, meaning more people were being added to the church, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Uh, there, from their perspective, a portion of the church was being left out of the daily distribution of food or of money to get food. Verse 2, it goes on, And the twelve summoned the full uh, number of the disciples and said, 
It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. At no time does God remove responsibility from any member of the church from having some responsibility within the needs. If you hear of a need, you want to be a part. I, I, as a leader, when I hear a need, I want to be a part. But God does not design the church for one person or just a few people to be a part of the solution of what takes place there. And so you spread the, the joy, and if, if, like, if I said, okay, well, I'm going to be now the maintenance man of the church, well, that could be a full-time job, which would take me away from my primary calling of preaching and teaching and shepherding the congregation. So if I have a role, then let's find other people who could fill the other role that is still equally valuable but just not my role. And that's what's taking place here. The church is expanding. They need teaching and preaching and, and advancing. But here's people who feel left out. So it's not the apostles going, well, it's not my job. What they're saying is, we have a job. Some of you also need a job so that nobody is neglected. So in verse uh, 3, it goes on. It says, therefore, the solution is, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men. You notice how the, the, the leaders here are guiding them, but then providing an, a, a solution here. Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. These aren't just anybody out there, but not just available people, but those who, are, who, who have the characteristics that are uh, labeled here. Full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we, verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. See, that's their calling from God. And verse 5 goes on, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. See, they weren't upset that, that the, the apostles were going to focus on what they were going to focus on, but they were pleased that there was a solution to this problem that was causing division. So they were pleased with the whole, whole gathering, so then they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicolai, uh, Nicholas, and a proselyte, uh, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, continued to increase, and the number of the disciples uh, uh, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. They had some wisdom here, which, by the way, I want you to notice, the, the, um, the, the leaders, the apostles, did not select the individuals. It was a church task. It, 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 there was everybody could be involved. All right, you select a, among yourselves who fit this category of type of person. Select seven of them. So the church was very involved because why? They would know the characters of the individuals they were selecting. We as leaders sometimes don't know everybody in the, in the church. So sometimes we'll, we'll pass people, we'll know kind of their direction and what, what their lifestyle is like, but it is very good for a church, a, a plurality of the church, to know the individuals that they can select among themselves to serve in this capacity. That's a good thing. That means you're vetting them. You, you know that they have the character qualities that are required. So these seven men were set apart, and then the, the elders uh, here, the leaders, the apostles actually, uh, laid their hands on them and prayed for them to set them apart to do this work. These seven men ensured that no widow within the church went without. And it, what it did would free up the apostles for prayer and the ministry of the word. And because of that, you see that in verse 7, the church continued to increase because 
the right roles were being fulfilled. You see the heart of a deacon within this chapter, this section. You see it's a heart of someone who wants to serve. They're modeling humility. They're fostering unity. They want to bring groups together. They're displaying some maturity. They're guarding the ministry and the people within it, and they're encouraging the continued vitality of the church. That's the beginning of, of a deacon ministry. That's the role. Well, what about the requirements of ministry of a deacon? This is where we go to 1 Timothy chapter uh, 3. I want you to flip to that chapter. We'll look at some of the character qualities here that are listed. We understand what they're to do, but who are these individuals? What are they supposed to, uh, to live like? Well, every member in the church, if you're a believer in Christ and you're a member of the local church, you're called to serve. Every member is a minister in some capacity. But some are called to serve as a deacon. This office of deacon, like the office of pastor elder, is reserved for those who meet certain character qualities. This is why it's so vital that the people you, you place titles on already live the way that you're asking them to live. I was asked years ago, how do you select people uh, for certain positions? And I say, well, find out who's doing it and then put the title on them. Because the reverse is too often what takes place. we got to fill a position. Who's available? Well, they've you know, they got to roll off for three years. Well, this person, well, let's just pick, you know, I don't want to pick a name because it'll attach to somebody here. All right, and let's just pick, you know, this person. Well, they have the qualities? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Maybe if we put the title on them, they'll rise up to the occasion. That's a dangerous place to be in a church. God never did that. If they're not already displaying the character qualities required here, they may never live up to those qualities. All they'll do is distract from the glory of God and the mission of the church. So this is why it's very vital to, to look at the requirements of a deacon or an elder bishop pastor uh, when you're selecting them. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it makes it very clear, looking, uh, starting at verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified. Not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. You notice this testing. One of the things we're establishing at uh, West Lynchburg is a deacon in training. Uh, for, for a year, I would love to select some individuals that, that we believe are, are, that have the character qualities, but let them run alongside an established deacon to learn some of the ways we interact with people, how do we minister well, and have a deacon in training. And at the conclusion of the year, if, if uh, the church sees fit to ordain them as a deacon, fantastic. But perhaps it's a year they go, you know, I'm just not ready for this. I'm, this is not really my calling. And that's a good place to, to kind of uh, learn and, and exercise that out to determine whether that's right or not. So we're developing that right now. So they, they hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Verse 11, the wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, Faithful in all things, let deacons each, uh, each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. These are the requirements of a deacon. I mean, to summarize, deacons must be marked by godliness. 
You'll notice here it speaks much more about who they are than what they do. Because the, the person they are will speak much more uh, volume than just the, the function of serving as a deacon. Perfection is not needed for deacon ministry. But direction towards godliness is essential. The difference between uh, the the beginning of 1 Timothy chapter 3, which actually speaks of overseers or bishops, which is your pastors, basically, the difference between the two lists of the character qualities is is very uh, limited. In a sense, they're almost exactly the same. The one difference is your overseer, elder, your pastor has to have the, the, uh, the ability, the giftedness to teach. Deacons do not have to have that. That's the one thing missing, the primary thing missing from the list here. So some deacons go, I don't know, I could never speak, you know, in front of people. You don't have to. That's not what you're called to do. You know, even in 1 Peter, it talks about those who are gifted to serve and those who are gifted to speak, all right? This is how the spiritual gifts are broken down. Those who lead out, like evangelists, pastors, teachers, these type of things, and deacons who just, they're, they're, they're sometimes behind the scenes, sometimes they're up front, but they are just, they're just serving. So deacons are not your teachers, A deacon can be a teacher, but it's not required. You'll notice Stephen, one of the first deacons there in Acts chapter 6. Watch his life just after this chapter, how he is an evangelist sharing the gospel with the the Ethiopian. No, that's Philip who's doing that. Stephen's the one who was stoned because he was preaching the gospel. All right, I don't want to get those wrong. Uh, I I know we got fact checkers uh, checkers in our world. Uh, Hope Facebook doesn't block, you know, my message here. You know, uh, not everything here is exactly right. So I want to make sure we're right here. You know, but both Philip and Stephen are used of God in a speaking role, but their, their, their calling right here was to serve. So... I'm thankful that our deacons are willing to step up here and, and sometimes read scripture for us or, or sometimes they're, they're able to pray for us, but that's not their primary role. They are here to take care of the practical things within the church. The scripture describes what a deacon is, but I want you to understand it's not just what they do. God cares more about their character than their competency. Right now, right now, by the way, the music uh, committee has been interviewing individuals that may be uh, candidates for us uh, to lead our worship. And competency is so important. But we're vetting their character before we vet their competency. I don't care if they can sing greater than anybody on the planet. If they don't know Christ and they don't exude a love for Jesus and for God's people, they're not qualified to lead us in worship. The character of the individual is so much more important than just what they can do. As servants, deacons are visible to show God's goodness in them and also to bring a love and a peace to the congregation to protect the reputation of the church and his people. So let me give you the last one, reward of a deacon. The reward of a deacon. We got the requirements, we got the role, what about the reward? You might be tempted to think that a position of deacon is not that important. They're behind the scenes. Who are the deacons? We don't know. Uh, It's not a prestigious thing, as some would say. You know, being a pastor, a missionary, a conference speaker, a Christian author, that's what's important. The scripture disagrees. Christ-like, competent, qualified deacons are essential to the life and health of a local church. And I'm thankful for every one of our deacons. 
those who are current deacons, those who have been deacons and will be deacons again, without the deacons of, of West Lynchburg, we would not have been here 115 years with faithful ministry that's effective in our community. See, deacons are a gift to the church. You talk about a reward of a deacon. They are a reward to us. And God sends churches better deacons when the church is a better place to be. Nobody would want to serve a church that is divided and just struggling and, and cantankerous about everything, you know, where it's toxic. But when God sends deacons to bring unity, he brings better deacons because he has a better plan for that church. And I have watched our deacons this last year, and I'm thinking God has positioned us well for great growth and great love and health in this church because of the quality individuals he has placed in this position. I'm thankful. Who might be deacons in the future? You might be sitting here going, I've never been a deacon. Well, consider if God may be calling that in your life and realize don't, don't achieve the title, achieve the character that God may use you and, and see you sufficient to, to serve in this capacity. Deacons are a reward uh, to the church, a gift to the church. See, when deacons serve a congregation well and they support the vision of the leaders, they protect the unity of the church, which actually answers the prayer of Jesus from John 17, that they shall be one. When deacons hear some rumors or, or gossip or, or, or some things, even like in Acts chapter 6, there's some neglected. Deacons are the ones who run to that, to, to heal that, to bring unity within that. And they don't let things fester around. They don't become part of the problem. They are part of the solution. It's a huge role for deacons. The first deacons were vital because they prevented the division in the Jerusalem church that allowed the church to continue to expand. Had the deacons not stepped in in Acts chapter 6, what would have taken place with the church? Perhaps they would have stopped growing. Maybe they would have never made it out of Jerusalem. But when they brought unity right there among the, the Hellenist uh, women who were being neglected, it says in verse 7 of Acts 6, "...and the word of God continued to increase." And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. I've mentioned this in the past. I love when God adds to the church, but I'm ready for multiplication. I don't just want one little drip here, one little drip there once in a while. I want God to have a, a, a revival in our city. That people are coming to faith in droves. They can't stay away from the local church. Because this is where the hope is. This is where the healing is in this broken nation. Deacons are a part of bringing that about. Deacons serve the physical needs of the body. They bring the unity of the church as being preserved. The apostles continue to preach the word and the great commission advanced. Paul told Timothy this. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, right after he's dealing with the, the, the bishops and the, uh, the, the deacons, he said, for, these, or for those who serve well as deacons... Gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Well, we're looking for deacons who are going to serve well, who will stand uh, well, strong in, in who God has made them to be, giving great confidence of the faith so that it will affect other people. Christians, more than any other people on earth, Highly esteem those who dedicate themselves to humble Christ-like service. And deacons ought to be on the top of your list of appreciating within our congregation. 
Theologian John Calvin said this, the more anxious a person is to devote himself to the upbuilding of the church, the more highly Paul wishes them to be regarded. You know, by the world standards, being a deacon seems boring and unattractive. What? You have to go to a place, you have to serve a lot, and you're giving money to them as well? What's in it for you? The experience of seeing the glory of God work in the lives of people. There's not a lot of reward on this side of heaven, serving, unless you keep your eyes wide open and you see what God is actually doing. But for the servants, the deacons who, who attend, they, they are a gift to the church, but there are eternal rewards for the deacons who serve well. I want you to incur, uh, be encouraged today, if you're a deacon, that I am thankful for you as your pastor to serve with you. I'm thankful that I can focus on the things I need to focus on that God's called me to because I, I rest assured. I, I don't lose sleep at night wondering what's happening with our deacons because they're serving well, taking care of the, the, the task of the church so I can uh, see what God does on the spiritual side. But I want to encourage every person who's, who's here in this room today and every person who's watching, I want to encourage you to go out of your way to thank your deacon to thank every deacon that serves here. I want you to go out of your way to encourage these servants in both word or deed. They are not paid for what they do. Uh, uh, no one's typically you know, patting them on the back for anything. But they serve the Lord. They work hard and cheerfully, as Colossians 3.23 says. They work hard and cheerfully at all they do, just as though they're, they're, they're serving the Lord and not merely you. Because their reward is in heaven, and they're willing to serve. It's time to call our deacons to the high level that uh, God expects. And it's time to appreciate those who serve in this capacity so that we would advance the gospel in ways we, we have never done, even in the 115 years of faithfulness we've had. Do you appreciate your deacons? Why don't you just applaud them for a moment? No deacon would, would want that. No deacon would ever say that. Most of them say, oh, no, don't, no, Pastor, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. But I think it's worthy of the honor that they, they bring to the position that we do say thank you. Send them a card of encouragement. I know that our deacons are assigned names in our congregation that they should be reaching out to. Some are, have done it better than others. I'll confess, we're still working on that. But how often have you thought about sending a card to your deacon and say, thank you for your service? Uh, you know, they, they've got a full-time job. They've got a full-time family. They've got other things too, but they're taking time out of their day to pray for you and think about you. Appreciate the deacons.